Welcome to the Platform Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Kundi wright founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy habits. I know how hard that can be because I've struggled and succeeded to varying degrees throughout my life, but I've lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for over a decade now. The key for me was discovering my passion for lifting weights and kettlebell sport. On this podcast, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, experts, and everyday people about kettlebells, fitness programming, nutrition, mindset, making an impact, and generally striving to grow and leave a legacy of positive change. Please join me. All right, welcome into season two of the Platform Podcast. I am incredibly honored and excited to have on Jennifer Hinterberger. She is a Master of Sport International class, holds approximately 18 world records, is a Kettle Academy Level 3 coach, and a very, very accomplished lifter, trainer, coach, uh, and just general badass superhero. So Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you. What an intro. <laughs> so I want to give people uh, an understanding of, of your background. I know your, you know, we were just talking about your origin story is pretty interesting to, to most people. And I, I really like people to get a chance to hear, you know, how, how people grew up and where they came from. So, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into kettlebells and, you know, what your life was like uh, before you discovered kettlebells. Um, okay. Those are pretty loaded questions. I'm going to do my best. Um, as far as before kettlebells, I've always been an athlete. So, um, growing up, I, I figure skated for 10 years. I played soccer for 10 years. Um, and then, you know, throughout high school and whatnot, rugby was my main sport, like captain of the rugby team, captain of the volleyball team, um, played. What, what position did you play in, in rugby? Uh, number eight. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and I played, yeah, I played pretty much every sport, basketball, badminton, whatnot. I did some rowing, but, um, I was always obese. I was always, I was overweight and then eventually obese, especially in my university rugby years. Um, no matter what I did. Even uh, playing eight man, huh? Yeah, I know. Right. I, um, I was fast though. Uh, I don't know how that worked together or I should say I was fast enough and I was smart. I, I, I've always had a good, I've always had good field vision. So I think that's, and and that, that's, that's relative speed to weight ratio is super important in contact sports. Like that's what, that's always what I would tell people is like, yeah, I'm two, I was 260 pounds and, but I ran like a five flat 40. So relative to my size, I was actually pretty fast for, for being that big, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't slow, but I certainly wasn't beating any of our flies, you know, on any races, but you know, when you get 260 pounds moving that fast, it's, it's hard to tackle, you know? So I was I was a loose head, so um, you know I'm certain I'm certain. I was gonna ask you were loose head, okay? Yep, yep. <laughs> I was, I, and I had no I I only played for a couple seasons. They recruited me because I was I was an American football player in college, and they recruited me from the track and field team because we did track and field in in spring, and I threw heavy objects, and I was mediocre at that. And uh, the rugby team was like, dude, come on, it's so much more fun to play rugby. You get to drink beer, you get to you know, and uh, they're like, you don't just throw heavy things and then sit around for three hours, like you actually play. And I was like, it's like, ah, oh, 
nah, nah, nah. And then I don't want to get hurt for football, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, come on, dude, you get to carry the ball. And I was like, I'm in. Oh, <laughs> players are the best at selling their sport. They're smart. They see you. You're a track athlete and you're a football player. They're like, this just makes sense. Tell him he gets to drink some beer and more playing time. He's going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was great. So, and then my, and then my wife was a rugby player for four years. She was the captain and you know, all sorts of things. So she was much, much more accomplished uh, rugby player than I, but uh, it's a, that's a whole rugby's it's a whole interesting culture. It's very, actually very similar to kettlebell sport, sport culture. I think like the same type of camaraderie and uh, you know, competitive, but also like so much camaraderie yeah. and, and like a cool, unique tribe of people. But yes, when, well, I was a gym owner for nine years. And when I had, uh, my team there we had over 30 members and I brought that camaraderie and that same atmosphere as a rugby player I couldn't not have a sport and create that same environment and I find that the community as a whole especially when I go to things like world championships um and there's tons of different countries there the parties afterwards the not not just meaning drinking but I mean just that social part is a lot of people look forward to that so it is very similar to rugby the, the singing the songs and Oh my gosh, especially Ireland. Oh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll spare people the the rugby songs because I, I'm, if you're not part of the community, I'm not sure how many people would would, would get the jokes. But uh, I, I love I love rugby songs. So, yeah, but so so circling back, even even in college, even while you're playing and you're super active and you're a, a great athlete, you were still overweight and you know you said obese even even the whole time. So so tell me a little bit more yeah. about that. How did how well, did that come about? So I should say there were, I was different weights at different times in my rugby career. So I have been anything from a prop to a lock to an eight. I was just eight, probably six of the eight years I played. I was eight man. There was a time I got to such a lightweight when I was sick that I, um, I played winger. Um, but I was very sick at that time. And when I got hit by one of my buddies who plays for team Canada, I ended up with a hiatal hernia, but I wasn't used to playing at 130 pounds when I used to be 200 pounds. So I did play at all different weights, but for the most part, I was overweight to obese during that time. And um, for me, I didn't realize I had a number of health conditions and hormone imbalances and whatnot. And I have something called polycystic ovarian syndrome. I was pre-diabetic and had insulin resistance. So it didn't matter how much I trained. In fact, if you have PCOS, the more intensely you train, the harder it is for you to lose weight. It has a yeah, negative chronic chronic inflammatory con condition oh, good. Yes, often good. correlated to insulin sensitivity and lack of ability to process insulin and androgenic oh. and estrogenic imbalances so tell us a little bit for I people that are, uh well i mean I, I study these things for one but also you know uh i've worked with clients who have who have had that who have had that issue but yeah it's uh it's a it's a tricky one though. I mean, it can be a really hard one for people to get their their hands around because, of course, you know when you're you're told you need to lose weight and you need to reduce your inflammation, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to work out, and so you yeah. get you get people get into the vicious cycle of like, well, I'm I'm working out and I'm not losing weight. I need to work out harder and I need to eat less, and so they work out harder and they eat less, and shit gets worse. That's right, and this is what happened to me forever, and so. It was, so it was a combination of the fact I had this condition and I didn't know. So yes, I would exercise more, but I also had an eating disorder often referred to as exercise bulimia. So mm. I would binge, but I wouldn't purge. I wouldn't throw up. I would obsessively overtrain out of mm. guilt and shame for everything that I ate. So 
So I was always crazy fit. Like I was um, a CIA international all-star athlete. I, um, I played rugby for Ontario. Like I wasn't a mediocre player. I was always fortunate to be pretty good at sports. I, I was healthy and I, sorry, I wasn't healthy. I was fit, but <laughs> yeah. I was also very overweight. Um, so anyways, um, that's kind so of, my... how, so how did you, how did you figure out the PCOS thing? I mean, obviously at some point you probably got a diagnosis. So I, I mean more, how, how did you figure out the, uh, the puzzle of the, you know, the hormonal puzzle T talk to me a little bit about, cause there, there's different ways it can obviously that it can represent and, and that it can, that it can be show up in your, in your hormone profile. So how, what did your, what did your numbers look like? How did you, how did you start unlocking that puzzle? Great questions. I mean, I had the symptoms. I had the facial hair. I had, I had um, hair on my cheeks, like on my upper lip, on my belly. I had acne everywhere. My, I was, I was had bald spots all over my head. Um, I suddenly had all of these food sensitivities and I was constantly bloated and I hadn't had my period more than once a year for six years. Um, and the doctors would tell me, well, it's because you're an athlete. And I'm like, I'm 200 pounds. I'm not an anorexic. <laughs> you know, like if you're super skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Gymnastics, then they get, I don't know. If, I think it's amenorrhea. Yeah. Amenorrhea. Yes. Right. If you don't have your period, I'm like, no, this can't be right. But anyways, it wasn't, they didn't find PCOS because of my PCOS symptoms. I had a lot of health issues in my early twenties and I didn't know what was going on, but I was having everything, but I also had PTSD from some childhood experiences. And um, also I, there was a lot of trauma. So from 19, I rolled my car, um, someone cut me off and I slammed on the brakes to avoid going, hitting oncoming traffic. I hit black ice, rolled in the ditch, head went through the passenger window off the windshield, broke the rear view mirror off. The roof caved in on me. So I tore my labrum and my right shoulder. Um, but I had a lot of head injury from there. And I don't know if it was that in head injury that did it, but it seemed to trigger all of these childhood experiences I had. And I started having nightmares all the time and I was having um, nighttime paralysis. And then I developed insomnia. And so it started there. And then I had increased stress starting to happen all within a year. My mom hit a horse. It came through her windshield. They needed the jaws of life to get her out. Um, that was very scary to see my mom with her face full of glass and everything. And then right after that, my younger brother was diagnosed with leukemia, who was one of my best friends. And then my older brother was in an accident and was in a coma, which is seeing your older, stronger brother with tubes, you know, and up and down his mouth and nose was pretty traumatizing. And then right after that, my dad on Christmas Eve that year needed to have a triple bypass surgery. And so all of these really wow. big things were happening one month after month. And I was also working 52 hours a week doing my bachelor's degree in kinesiology, um, playing university rugby and coaching high school rugby. And I was also working midnight shifts. So my sleep was off. There was so much stress and I was just sort of like, everything's going to be okay. Meanwhile, every time the phone rings, I'm shaking because I'm terrified. They're going to tell me my brother with cancer only as a couple of days. And so that went on for five years with this constant fear of when's it gonna happen. Anyhow, trying to make this short, wrap it up. I started my, all of this physical, this, this mental, emotional stress started manifesting in my body and I had the nightmares. I was losing my hair so much, so much worse. I couldn't, I had so many issues with my digestive system. 
I mm. could not go to the washroom. I was going to the washroom maybe once a week after taking extreme amounts of Xlax and Dulclax and using suppositories and doing, um, I can't think of the names, like the flush to try and help you go to the washroom. Yeah. Um, I could not go and I ended up my eye, the yellow, the white of my eyes were yellow. My nail beds were all blue with white chips all over them. I was itchy constantly from head to toe. I was just heading towards being septic. Um, and so I went into many doctors here in Canada and they couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, so they just put me on 16 different pills for the different symptoms I had and all the joys of Western medicine. Oh my goodness, Jordan. that's all they just, and then I asked them about the going to the washroom. I was like, listen, like I don't go for days. And when I do, it's like black tar and it's next to nothing. And they're like, eat my more fiber, take medicine. They gave me a case of suppositories, a case. And I was just like, Ugh. and all I did was eat fruits and vegetables at the time. But anyways, I ended up in the Philippines with a client who um, was one of my good friends. She she lost, I was a personal trainer at the time. She lost uh, over 60 pounds with me in six months and she was heading overseas for uh, business. And she said, I'm afraid I'll gain weight. She's, and she literally said to me, I remember she was chest pressing. She's on the machine. She goes, Jen, you know what? You've got nothing to lose. You're dying anyways. Why don't you come with me? Both, she's such a, <laughs> those are her exact words. Very her. direct, but I love it. <laughs> right? She totally said that. She's like, you're dying anyways. Come with me. And I'm like, you know what? I will. And so I went there, but the thing is I kept getting more and more sick. And finally I couldn't breathe to breathe. I always had to put my hands on a table, lift up, try to open my diaphragm and go <gasps> like this to pull in air. I could not breathe. I couldn't eat anything. I was so hungry all the time, but I would just suck on stewed prunes because nothing had was coming out of me. Right. So I was yeah. just like descending. It was such a mess. I looked like I was having triplets. So I went into emerge. She's like, that's it. We're going to emerge now because I couldn't sleep. Jordan, I would put all kinds of pillows behind me, but, um, <laughs> you know how you move when you sleep. I'd end up on my back and I'd wake up in stomach acid. I was just be choking in it because Ugh. nothing was going down and out. And I didn't realize I had a hernia. So my gastric sphincter is also open and nothing's going down. It's coming back the other way. I mean, I was also so lethargic all the time. I was falling asleep, driving. I could barely make it away. Well, yeah, you're not digesting or absorbing any energy. I mean, it, oh, you were you were a mess, girl. I'm. Oh, exactly. I, I'm 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 glad you're still here. <laughs> Thank you. And and you know, it's funny you say that because there were some major um, people in the Philippines, some doctors, who said to me, like, "You're on your way to cancer. Like this, this." is bigger than these 16 pills a day you're taking. Like if we don't figure out the cause, like this, you're 20, you're like in your early twenties. There's, there's no way that you're going to survive at the rate that all of these symptoms are coming out within you. So I'm definitely blessed that I ended up in the hospital there. Um, that night they immediately called in a gastrologist, respirologist, sorry, gastroenterologist, a respirologist, a cardiologist, and they had six student doctors all there at the same time. And they ran every and any test that, I don't know, it felt like, <laughs> it felt like they were doing everything. Um, even the anesthesiologist, because my heart rate was like 38 and my blood pressure was super low. 
uh, he held my hand the whole time they put me under to do a colonoscopy and, and uh, endoscopy um, because they were concerned about how low I was. He wanted to be very, so he held my hand the whole time during it and they were just amazing. And they found out um, I had all different kinds of things going in my body. I had, well, of course I had hemorrhoids. I had lesions throughout my intestinal tract. I had a hiatal hernia, I had three stomach ulcers, my esophagus was eroding, I had stomach cells in my esophagus, which was showing the beginning of Barrett's disease. Um, and then they found out that I had polycystic ovary, ovary, ovaries at the time, and that I had polycystic breast, and that I was severely anemic, and not only were my, was my iron, my blood iron low, but also my ferritin, blood, like your stored iron. Um, I'm trying to remember everything. I haven't talked about this in so long. Um, I was uh, showing signs of stage three kidney disease, according to my blood work, my creatine kinase or something. Um, so they had to check that though every month for three month periods or something to make sure that it was consistent and it was. So there was some stuff happening in my kidneys as a result. Um, Sorry, yes, I mean, you, you were just, I mean, you were in systemic failure. I mean, essentially, I mean, you were starting to have multiple system failure because of how bad things were. I mean, it's, uh, it really is incredible that, that you've, uh, that you were able to turn that around. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, I made a quip about Western medicine, but you know, that's a credit to modern medicine just in general, that they were able to <laughs> call in a team of, of doctors and figure out all of the things that are going on simultaneously and, oh, and kind of solve them, you know, uh, yeah. in, par in parallel, essentially, because otherwise things were going to go really bad. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, they, and they sat down with me after I woke up and um, they sat down with me for two hours and they took out these giant diagrams. And this was in Manila, the Philippines. And they went over every single thing and then they repeatedly said to me do you have any more questions and i would have more and they would not rush me at all and then i got up to walk away and leave and i was like oh wait i have one more question they were like well come and sit back down they wouldn't just quickly brush me off like you experience a lot here they were like no come and sit and they were so thorough and this is the doctor's name i'll never forget her is dr flores she talked to me about how she said, Jen, listen, in your country, you would likely undergo a number of surgeries right now, but we are not going to tr treat, we don't want to focus on treating your symptoms. We understand you have them. Yes, you will probably need some medication to support the healing right now so that you don't have to experience such discomfort with the symptoms, but we need to talk about why is this happening in your life? What is the cause? And she wanted to know about the stress in my life. And she wanted to know about my sleeping habits. And she wanted to know about what I eat. And she introduced me. She started my journey towards natural health and healing and, you know, looking towards food as medicine. And wow. what, yeah, it, it was, She's saved my life without a doubt. Well, and, and saved your life and obviously changed the path of your life too, because now, I mean, that's a big part of, of what you teach your clients that you work with, right? Is, is how to use food, food as fuel and food as medicine, right? To, to deal with, you know, root cause and not just, not just treat symptomology. Can you talk a little bit about that, that path? Um, absolutely. She did teach me exactly that. And, uh, it was a long journey. Um, 
Whew, it was a long journey. So I didn't heal overnight. So if anyone's listening and they're experiencing, even, you know, IBS is one of the things I was diagnosed with. Like if you have irritable bowel syndrome um, or just different conditions that are very frustrating uh, and causing you pain, it took me years and I still have to practice certain things to make sure that it's, it's, it's balanced. But it took me about three years to notably feel any different after implementing all of these healthy changes. And so what I held on to during that time, right? And this is why when I work with people, especially body weight drives me insane. Um, People will try hard for four weeks and be pissed. I only lost (laughs) five pounds. You suck. You're a terrible coach. You only lost five pounds in four weeks. God, you're awful. (laughs) Right? And I'm like, and, and it's just what I, all I can think is like how and they get mad at their bodies and all I could think was like how dare you and this is the point I had to get to mm. talking to myself this way like Jen how dare you be pissed that it's taking three years to heal when you neglected sleep for lord knows how long when you I drank a lot too as a rugby player and I was a bartender for years when you drank five nights a week heavy when you binge ate because you couldn't handle the stress in your life and the emotions that were going on. We're talking 10, 15, 20 years of abusing my body and I'm going to be pissed that I can't heal overnight. Um, and that's how people get with weight loss. They're like, I only lost five pounds in a month. I worked so hard. And it's like, yes, how about the last 10, 20, 30, 40 mm. years? You didn't. It doesn't just get undone that way. So um, yeah. anyhow, I... I started with learning more about, I went more to naturopaths at this time. And I learned about, I did a whole bunch of different food elimination diets. And I learned more about food intolerances and food allergies and um, recognizing just, I guess, intuitive is the word people tend to use. Mm. I started learning more and paying attention more to which foods made the symptoms worse. And then I had to get to a point, you know, it's very easy to like, I hate that. I, I hate. No, no. I was just. I was going to say. It was, this is just a pet peeve of mine. I hate the term intuitive eating because it gives. It gives the wrong impression. Um, the only reason I because when I heard the first time I heard that I was like, well, yeah. I mean, intuitive eating sounds awesome because I'll intuitively eat pizza and beer and you know, all, you know, that's what my brain tells me I want. But I, I like to call it like biofeedback driven eating right because more sense to me because it's because that's really what it's about what you're talking about is people aren't naturally in tune with their bodies i understand why they call it intuitive eating they're talking about you need to be in tune with your body and that's that's what should guide your decision great but if you're taking somebody who is currently not in tune with their body or you're taking somebody who's in tune with their 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 intuitive intuition is to use food as an escape like you and me who had the the very similar uh binge binge shame workout uh you know that cycle right food is not necessarily something you might have a great relationship with or you might not be super in tune with right so like telling telling someone to to eat intuitively might not be the best way to frame it no i'm so happy you brought this up because i just learned this whole word intuitive eating uh or this phrase within the last month and i thought oh okay maybe that's kind of what i'm teaching people but when you explain it like that it's like no not at all and you said that so well especially for people like us our intuition is not. This <laughs> is self-destruction. <laughs> right. For me now, I'm lucky. Like I, I honestly had to almost die, as you just learned, to for this to change for me. I, I will not eat unhealthy food. I will not do it. I have no interest. 
I, but I will eat more than I need to eat. So that's my, I don't listen to my internal clock. So <laughs> regulation in terms of dead, you don't need to sit down and eat 15 dates right now. You could probably have two or three. Oh, but they're so I good. A lot. <laughs> What's that? I said, oh, but they're so good. The Majul, the Majul dates. Oh God. They're like little caramels. Majul dates and cashews and the combination of them. So I do not eat bad food. Like I, I haven't put gluten in my body in 15 years. Gluten is not good. That's common though. PCOS, gluten and dairy tend to be the two most powerful things once you remove. Like I tried all kinds of diets for years and years and years. Couldn't lose a pound. I must say when I stopped gluten, I lost 35 pounds that first year. And yeah. it was like I was no longer wearing this squishy suit because I always felt like I could see myself inside this body. And and that's that's how it is with PCOS. You're just in this swollen sort mm. of suit all the time but yeah, anyway, chronic inflammation right exactly yeah. and so i don't i don't eat those i i i don't eat junk food i make healthy versions of anything that i want but i definitely do eat more than i need i know that <laughs> so but continuing down the path of the you know how many times has has jen tried to kill herself i mean you not that this was when you tried but you went down a mountain too right like you had a brush with death like falling down a mountain too but that was like mountain biking if i remember right right yes you startled me at first i was like what <laughs> not yet sorry i don't mean i don't mean that in the literal sense i mean that i mean that in the in the in further evidence that jen is a superhero <laughs> she is no. really hard she is really hard to kill and has survived all sorts of crazy things right um yes i was actually in new zealand um i went there and i i, I did a competition and then i taught a workshop and the next day the host of um the competition Keith bowman super cool guy and family he took me on this walk and um it was a stunning hike i had no idea what we were in for but anyways we were about seven eight hours in and couldn't find the way down so we started going through it was all rocks scree everywhere and um at first it was fun because the rocks were were tiny so we were skiing down essentially and we were moving at a wicked pace and having a good time but then suddenly the rocks became really big and they were moving beneath us. And so what we would do is kind of let them move beneath us and that, but we aim our bodies towards big boulders in the mountain and then we hit ourselves against them to stop. And we're getting cut up and we're bleeding and, and whatnot. And it's me and Heath and his friend, Claire. And then suddenly we get to this one part where it's open other than like kind of like broken trees along the side and I was standing and the rocks moved underneath me and I, I was like kind of skiing and trying to lean back, but my body went forward and I somersaulted and I slammed down and I kept sliding and then suddenly I stopped and Heath ran over to me and he's like, oh my God, Jen, I can't believe that just happened. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, that was so much fun actually, but uh, I don't want to do that again. So I'm going to crab walk. I'm not going to stand up because I couldn't get my footing. And so he said, okay, I'm going to walk with Claire because she's scared. And I said, yeah, no worries. And he said, but meet me when you get to the bottom, which is where the cliff was. He says, go left, don't go right. And we'll meet you there. And then he makes a joke and he's like, don't go straight because obviously you'll die. And then I start trying to um, crab walk down the mountain and then the rocks start moving from beneath me. And I'm focusing on trying to stop myself digging my heels in because my, my tights, my Lululemons are getting ripped up and I'm getting all cut all down the back of my legs. My wrists and elbows are all bleeding because I'm digging in trying to stop myself. 
And then I look up, I didn't realize I'd gotten to the cliff. And so I quickly tried to roll to my right, hoping that the path was just mine, but um, the rock started to slide under Heath and Claire above me. So I not only had my rock slide I was in, I had theirs coming from above me and that's what sped me up so fast and I couldn't roll out. And then, yeah, I went off the cliff and I just, you know, it's like those dreams you have or in the movies where I was just floating. It was just dust everywhere. And I mean, right before I went off the cliff, I grabbed for a rock with my left hand. I remember looking back and thinking like, oh man, this is my weak arm. And then thinking, Jen, you have no choice. But then I got a boulder to the left side of my head and I tore my lat actually. I'm pretty sure it was at that point. And I just got thrown off and then I just waited to shatter. Um, somehow, I landed and it took me a moment to recognize because I'm still being bounced around this mountain cliff by my butt and I'm getting pummeled by all these rocks and I and it took me a minute to realize holy crap I'm still alive so my next thought was I must not have gone off the cliff he was talking about because he told me I'd die and so I thought kind of like the movies and I'm thinking in slow motion but in the movies where they have like people going they always have that scene where they're in the rapids and they're going to go over a waterfall and so they're trying to grab a rock to stop themselves and so I was looking for a rock to grab myself and I grabbed one missed it like and I'm being smashed off all of these rocks and then I turned I grabbed another one I missed it I started crying because I was like good job Jen you just missed two chances to save yourself and then I seriously screamed out loud I was like god I need a rock and then boom, <laughs> there was one. And I don't go to church. I'm, I've never been a big religious person, but it's funny when you're in extreme situations, you tend to be like, oh my God, you start praying. And, and this rock, a huge rock appeared in front of me. I slammed my leg against it and then leaned back against the mountain cliff. And um, I thought I was fine. And then suddenly this big white boulder comes right over my head. And I realized that like the rock slide was still happening. So I just leaned back and covered my head and let it all go until it was finished. And then, yeah, I didn't die. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was intense. I'm sweating and I didn't even live through that. Like that is such an intense story. I can't like, that's, that's something that needs to be in a movie. Like that is, uh, wow. That is, that is insane. And, oh. and, and so what were all of the injuries that resulted from that? You tore your lat. I know. I mean, I saw the bruises and the scrapes and everything on your Instagram post from that. And I was like, holy shit, how did she survive this? Oh, um, because of inflammation, I gained 30 something pounds that year. I didn't eat an ounce different. I just swelled and kept swelling and kept swelling. And I had brain injury that I didn't realize caused anxiety. I had such extreme anxiety. I didn't know until now, looking back, I closed my gym months later I just had so much anxiety. I didn't want to go down and teach. I didn't want to be in the thought of going down and teaching a class, which is my heart with the people I love made me just want to sit on the floor and cry. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just thought maybe I had too much stress in my life. And then later I realized it was from the head injury. Yeah. Um, so head injury was one of the problems torn lat. I separated my shoulder. Um, broken tailbone to this day like sitting here right now it's painful um because i rode that mountain cliff over i think it was he sh the heath went back later and tried to give an estimate i believe it was over 400 feet total 
and I was riding down this mountain of rock, smashing off these boulders with my butt. So that still hurts. When I fly, it feels like almost as painful as the day it happened. Wow. Um, so that's, that's really painful. My left foot still swells up to the point I can't walk on it some days. Um, yeah, there were, I was pretty banged up. My elbows still feel it as well. And so now, like, for fun, you're like, I'm going to lift a kettlebell for three hours straight <laughs> as many times as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my 60 days, Jordan. So that's when the borders open up. It'll be three hours every day for 60 days, 12 kilograms, all 50 states and 10 provinces. And I have tested this during quarantine. I lifted 6.8 million pounds in 60 days. So I have tested it, but it will be much harder on the road. Now, the other, the new goal is the 100 days, which is in, I think might be even, it's hard to say, I think it might be even more impossible. It's 100 days of one hour, 16 kilogram lifts. I just tested day six in training and it's weird. It's a different kind of hard. You know what I mean? Like you might think three hours, 12 kilograms seems, I don't know. They're both so hard. I don't know which one's harder. Yeah, the, I mean, they're yeah, they're they're just different different types of they're different types of suck. I'm sure. Well <laughs> I mean, said. Well said. Yeah. It's. I mean, that's that is that is that is crazy. But like, this is this is your thing. Like, uh, I mean, obviously, it's not your only thing. But um, this is how I came to know who you are, and you know, and started following you. Was you know, it's like, you know, somebody told me about this crazy Canadian chick who would who would lift for just hours and hours straight, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I started watching some of your videos, and I was, I was like. I I was like, oh my God, this, 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 this lady's intense. Like, this is crazy. Like you're, you're cause you're not taking it easy for three hours. Like oh, you're, you're you. doing, you're doing, you're keeping up RPMs that like most people wouldn't be able to sustain for more than 10, 15, 20 minutes, you know, like. How is that? I've been trying to explain that to non-lifters. Like when newspapers interview me, you could tell it's over their head, but a kettlebell lifter is like, damn, she's jerking. Like today I jerked, um, one hour, 16 kilogram at almost 27 RPM the whole time. I was eight reps short of 27 RPM for an hour. Wow. And I never yeah, lost that's... less than 14 to 15. That, that's, yeah, that's cra I mean, that's crazy. Like with two bells, 14 RPMs is the max pace that I recommend for, for anybody. With right. one bell, I'm like 18 is going pretty fast. Well, I can't do 18 with te good technique. Well, that's, and that's why I said that's, that's like as fast as you could probably go is, is 18 and that, and that'll, you're getting questionable fixation, but like 16, 17, like that's, that's really fast to, to, to sustain that for that level of time is, I mean, it, it boggles my mind. It really does. It's, it's incredibly impressive. So what, what, why, I mean, that's <laughs> why, you know what, um, it happened, the initial idea happened when I was watching The Iron Cowboy on Netflix while I, was, okay. while I was just training one day. And I saw him do 50 Ironmans, 50 days in a row in all 50 states. And I was just like, I was so hyped watching this video that I was like, I want to do something cool like that. And so I was like, what can I do that's kind of kettlebell? Like, okay, so he did something that people train a year, sometimes years to do, to do one time. So that's insanely hard and then he's going to do that he did that 50 days in a row and i thought well what's the kettlebell equivalent well many people train to do one hour lift and that's a big deal and i thought no it has to be way harder and 
I'm like, dude did like an Ironman a day. Like we need to, we need to up this. And so I thought two hours and I thought, oh, come on, let's do three. Let's do three. Like that's, that's, that's a big deal. And I knew it was quite impossible. I couldn't even do that with an eight kilo at the time, but just consistent training and yeah, consistent training. And I'm really, really, really adapting. Um, it's still scary though, because I have no idea if I hit the road, if it's still going to happen. The 16 kilos, I really don't know <laughs> if that's possible. Today's the most I've ever done. Today was day six of one hour lifts. That's the most I've ever done. And I've volunteered myself to do 100. So is, and so the, the hundred days is, is this the official, is this just training or is, has the official 100 days started now? Not a good question. No, I just came up with the idea on Saturday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I already have 12 countries that have registered. Nice. Um, yeah. Let me see. Actually, I have Canada, France, Bulgaria, Australia, Poland, Russia, Spain, Ireland, England, Belgium, Sweden, and the USA. Um, and then I have 65 lifters, and I have from absolute beginners to the best lifters in the world. I have Ivan Denisov, Denis Vasiliev. Andrea LaFoy. I shouldn't be naming names because I know I'm going to miss people. Um, there's just, you know, and we have big teams. We have a team of nine from Australia. We have another team of five from Australia, a team of seven from England. Uh, we've got a team of six from Canada. So there's some, some are individuals and some are teams, but I've got, uh, I've got like eight people here. I will put it to my team to see who wants to join me, but you can count me in for a day too. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Thank you. And, and what I've been doing with this is I originally, um, I don't want to talk about the original. Oh, sure. Real quick. I was in this Miss Health and Fitness competition to be on the cover of Muscle and Fitness Hers. And there were thousands of people in it. I got into round seven out of eight. Um, so I was in the top 64 out of thousands. And then what it came down to is money because you win by the most votes, but you could also have your votes purchased. And so the girls in my group, just, you know, one's a doctor, one's a professional hockey player. I just couldn't keep up with their money. I don't have any money to put down on votes. And I didn't want to ask my friends. Well, to and that's ridiculous. That's not what it should be about, but exactly. it's totally against it. But once again, business, right? So yeah. anyway, Saturday, I was still in it and I thought, you know what? I need money. That's it. That's, that's the only way to move forward is money. That's it. Because whenever it was just free votes, I was in first every single time for the last two and a half months. And then when it came time to being, because I had this many people supporting me, which is incredible. And then when it came to two, they'd sell these votes two for one and I'd get bumped. And um, so anyways, I thought, Jen, don't quit. Cause that's not me. I thought, just think you don't have the resources. You do not have the money. You do not want to just take money for your, from your friends but you can be resourceful. And um, so this is where I came up with the 100 days to generate money. And we generated just over three grand within 24 hours. And I put that three grand down. I didn't move an inch in the competition. And so I thought, you know what? We're not throwing any more money at this. One, I don't want to win because of money. Two, they changed their website this weekend to show they're only donating 25% to Homes for Wounded Warriors. Mm. When I thought I had no idea the magazine was taking in all this money from it, which I feel naive looking back. Um, but they didn't put that out there to the public. So I, I bailed, I messaged the magazine. I'm like, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of this, but I had already committed to a hundred days, Jordan. So, <laughs> so, and, and about, you know, about 25% of places have already been paid for. So obviously, um, 
doesn't make sense to have them pay and not other people. So I decided I'm going to turn this into, um, I'm going to donate to a cause that I care about. I mean, Homes for Wounded Warriors is brilliant, but uh, something that I can relate more to with childhood abuse. So 50% of donations are going to go to Jillian's place. It's a place I've had friends reach out to me and tell me that when they were, it's for women and children in abusive situations. And they would show up at this place and just in the clothes they had on because they're fleeing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Jillian's place would provide them with all their toiletries, their toothpaste and shampoo and conditioner and brushes and pajamas. And they gave them a place to live for six months. And then when they found their own place, they gave them all their pots and pans. Um, when one of my friends said when her husband was released from jail, they made sure that they were there in case anything happened. Um, and just having grown up in, a, in an abusive situation, uh, I think this is a cause that, well, it's definitely a cause, a worthy cause. So that's where the donations are going to be going from this. That's fantastic. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm 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 somewhat familiar with uh, with Jillian's place. I, I'd heard of it before, and I didn't know the specifics behind it. I just know it was it supported uh, women and children that were escaping abusive abusive situations at home. I didn't know any of the specifics. So that's that's awesome. I feel I feel even even better about uh, about signing up to to join you. So tell people it's it's a hundred dollars for an individual, right? And then if it's uh, if it's a group of people, it's seventy dollars per person. So if you can get multiple people to sign up, obviously it's 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 less money and it's all going to uh it's all going to a good cause um it's it's it for two people it's 70 each for three or more it's 50 each oh nice okay cool and it was a u.s funds initially because the competition was u.s but now it's canadian funds but equal numbers so less okay Oh, okay. So with the exchange, with the exchange, well, either way, <laughs> we'll just say, we'll just say it's, it's, it's a hundred to 50, depending on how many people you get and depending on your conversion, <laughs> your currency yes. conversion to yes, Canadian dollars. People have donated more just because they care about it and they want to. Um, these are just suggested donations. And I mean, if there are people who really want to participate and don't have money, I know what it's like to not have money. I'm not going to say you're not welcome. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's fantastic. Well, and when they do open the borders up and you, and you get to do your 50 States and 10 provinces, um, I have, I have a platform in my garage. That is a competition platform that I just finished building and staining and everything. And I have, I have, uh, you know, 20 ish bells, um, depending on how many are lent out to, to various lifters at a time. But, uh, I will make sure that there's a platform and a bed and, uh, some bells and, uh, you know, somewhere for you to somewhere for you to rest your head after after you're after you're done um so you're you're more than welcome to to join me here at the at the club and and stay with me while you're hitting hitting minnesota you are amazing thank you and you know what i had almost all 60 locations already um booked but i can't remember what was happening in minnesota oh nice but if there well, are let, let me know if it changes um, i'm the offers on the offers on the table that's that's fantastic thank you Really, really appreciate your support, and I'm so excited you're going to join the 100 days. We'll yeah, to- I'm excited. I, I, I've done, you know, we've we've done the one hour long cycle a couple of times, or at least I have, uh, for you know, and that's usually for wounded warriors or various various charities. But uh, I, I, 
I don't do one hour sets. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not, it's not generally my cup of tea. So um, it is it is a sign of how much I respect you and appreciate the effort that you're making and the, the charity that you're doing. I mean, it, I, I'm re- I am really looking forward to it, to be honest, but uh, it's, it's generally, generally not my cup of tea. So how are you going to recover from all of that? Like, that's such a, like, what, let's, like we've got like 10 minutes left, but I, I want to talk just a little bit about your recovery plan. Cause I know that that's gotta be, that's gotta be a huge part of this. Like how do you recover after afterwards? The question of all the questions I get asked Jordan, that's the question I get asked the most is how do you recover? Because like I said, I already tested three days or sorry, 60 consecutive days of three hour lifts with 12 kilogram at max pace. Like, Oh, and I must mention that in those 60 days, not only did I do three hours every day, I did an eight, I did two eight hour lifts as well that were, I want to break Guinness world records along my 60 days, but Guinness said my 60 days is too big of a record. They don't track records that big. They only do records for one, like one minute, three minute, one hour, three hour, six hour, eight hour, 12 hour, 24 hour. And I said, okay, well, I'll do some Guinness world records on top of my. (laughs) Cause why not? (laughs) Right. And so I did, and I'm telling you, I did an eight hour day with 12 kilogram jerk at 25 RPM to 26 for eight hours. Wow. And so how do I recover? People ask. And um, to be honest, I don't recover. I don't focus on recovery. So I'd have to say that it's my nutrition and my sleep. Do I wish I had the money for massages? Oh my gosh. Anyone who has coverage for massage and doesn't use it or Cairo, I think they're in pain. I value the (laughs) services so much and I didn't have one massage or one chiropractic treatment the entire time. I just don't have coverage and I don't have any extra money. So, um, I recommend those, but I didn't do any of that. Um, I simply eat very healthy all of the time. I don't leave room for play with that. Everything that I'm putting in my body is very healing. Um, so nutrition is a big thing and I do prioritize sleep now that I no longer have night terrors and, um, insomnia. I, I and are you are you vegetarian? I can't remember. I tell me just a, a little bit about what what you do eat. What, what's good for you? Right, I've been vegan for over ten years. I stopped nice. eating gluten. I believe it's over fifteen years now. I haven't eaten meat in twelve or thirteen. Um, so I was vegetarian for a while before I became vegan. Um, and like you said, for me, do I know that that's right for everybody? No, I just know that. I feel better this way. And um, to be quite honest, when I was getting those results with my kidneys all the time, showing that I had stage three kidney disease, um, I thought, it's a longer story than this, but I'm gonna cut some parts out. I thought, you know what? I do know that animal-based products are the toughest on my kidneys. So let's just take this out for a while until my blood work changes. Cause they told me my blood work couldn't change. It's just a matter of trying to do things to delay the progress of this. So anyways, I, I tried it. And then when I got my blood work done and I had seen improvement, I ordered fish. I went to my brother, I went out for dinner with my brother-in-law and sister and I ordered fish and then it came to the table and Jordan and I looked at it and I had instant fear. I was like, <laughs> I just felt like, what if I get sick again, like in the Philippines? I was like, I can't do it, I can't do it. I looked at my brother, I was like, could you please eat this for me? I'm so sorry. I never meant to quit eating meat. I was the big, I would eat one of those like, you know when you go to the grocery store and they have those pre-cooked whole chickens? Oh yeah. Yeah. I would eat one of those a day. I was you know, a personal trainer. I'd go in, I have my office and I'd throw down my chicken. I'd rip a leg off. I'd eat it. I'd go train somebody, come back, rip the next leg off, eat it. 
I'll just pick away a chicken all day. Like I ate so much meat and, and just, I loved, you know, all the typical proteins that, you know, all the gym bros talk about, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just, I ended up vegan because I just felt, I went from such an one extreme of being sick and lethargic and constantly having digestive issues and being obese to being a very healthy weight and being loaded with energy and sleeping well and no longer having this anxiety and depression. And I never had, I don't have food cravings anymore. That is wild as a former food addict. I don't crave anything ever. Maybe a green smoothie. Um, so if I had a dollar for every time I craved a green smoothie, I would be broke. <laughs> So good like literally when I wake up in the morning I'm like if I get out of bed I can have a smoothie and I'm like it's time and I just they're so good. No, I do. I do actually like smoothies. I'm actually really big on uh, I'm really big on uh, berries, spinach, um, protein and you know either almond milk or dairy milk depending on uh, if I'm if I'm consuming dairy at that time like that's one of my favorite like just to get just to get good protein good antioxidants and like you know i use like three cups of spinach so even even when i eat even when i do berries in there like it still ends up being mostly a green smoothie because i just i, I load the i load the vitamix with spinach first so that um, awesome. yeah that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite like on the go breakfasts although not that i go anywhere anymore i just go down to my basement um but it's still it's it's hey, still I have to go to my living room i work at home too but you know i can't take protein powders i tried oh my gosh i've tried every everything out there my stomach is not a fan so i oh, just, really even even the the vegan even the vegan yeah, protein the powders now and the vegan the vegan and the sun warrior are probably the two best on my stomach but any of the other ones and i mean i've even tried the fermented ones i've tried the 100 percent pumpkin seed 100 percent um chickpea 100 percent. so there's no other added ingredients and my stomach is not having it so i just <laughs> use hemp seeds hemp seeds have a lot of protein in them yeah um Sometimes chia, what else do I use? That's probably the main ones. I eat a lot of cashews and pumpkin seeds too. But yeah, I'm not a, I have no, I probably, I don't have a clue how much protein I consume, but I, I don't imagine it's very much. But you know, it's enough. That's the thing. Like I, I, I think people, you know, there's obviously the, there's obviously the, the, the research out there that says that you should get 0.7 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight or 0.5 grams per kilo of body weight if you're an athlete and yada yada okay yes i i know that there's research that says that but there's also all sorts of anecdotal support that shows that it's probably not as much as as the research shows right there are there are all sorts of people like yourself who are uh i mean you're not exactly a dainty flower. You are an incredibly lean and very strong. <laughs> so it's not yeah. like you've wasted away to a skeleton, right? You can, you can lift for eight hours. You can lift 6 million pounds in a month, you know, like, so oh, yeah. clearly, clearly you're, clearly you're, you've got enough uh, protein coming in to support the tissue that you need. And, you know, you're, you know, uh, you're, you're doing something right. So I think there's, I think there's a window for everybody. And, but I think that, uh, that biofeedback really tells you a ton. If yeah. we just, if we just listen to it and eat the things that, that make us happy. And I mean, us is in our body, right. Um, that's right. You know, I think that's, I think that's huge and making, making the best choices you can and, and buying the best foods that you can afford it, you know, is, uh, is, is a, is a, is an important thing. Well said. And the ones, yes, exactly. 
Biofeedback is such a, a, a great word for it. And I just have to say in those 60 days, I didn't lose a pound. I think I gained seven in that time. I did not fade away. I gained towards the end. I was eating like probably once I got those two eight hour lifts in the last two weeks, I just ate the world. Um, <laughs> so I gained weight and I progressed throughout the entire 60 days. My results, my speed, my total poundage progressed the whole time. So that doesn't make sense in terms of like we were talking about what's normally expected with recovery and rest days and all that stuff. I didn't have any of it and I got better the entire time. Wild, right? I don't get yeah, it. That is, that is wild. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say you are uh, genetically gifted. I won't call you a freak, but you know, you're, you are definitely, you are definitely oh, ge ge genetically gifted. Before. People say that and I'm like, there's no way I'm genetically gifted because I have three siblings, all blonde, all skinny, all lean. And I was always... Yeah, how many world records do they have between the three of them? Do you know they're... Well, my younger brother passed from, from leukemia, but my older brother was always the athlete to beat. He was always, you know, he could track me to come home with gold medals. Like, he's the best hockey player. My sister is a ridiculous athlete. She's already qualified for um, Chicago and ran it. She's a marathon runner. Nice. And she qualified for London, England, but it's been postponed. Uh, she's breaking her records presently. Um, so they're great. They're really, really great athletes. But what I'm saying, and so this is supposed to go against your argument that you have great well, genetics. Well, I don't it, but I met my body type. Like, look at how I was. That's not good genes. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Well, yes. there's there is there are genetics, and then there's genetic expression. You know, so there's you know there are things. You know, you've clearly gotten to a place where now you understand what helps you express your genes as well as you can. So, um, but you're, I'm I, it is. I mean, you are an incredibly impressive athlete. I I'm always I always marvel at what your accomplishments are, and obviously you're very mentally tough too. Because I don't care how genetically gifted you are, like you are kicking the shit out of your body when you lift as hard as you do for as long as you do. Um, and so you know, I, I'm sure there are moments when you're just like, ah fuck this but you keep going anyways and you keep going at a crazy pace so yeah, um, that's what i'm finding awesome. with the sorry jordan i keep cutting you off that's what i'm finding with the one hour lifts is i'm having to up my mental game i'm like jen what's your problem i'm getting like 30 minutes in and i want to quit and i'm like jen what 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 is your problem right now you lifted for three hours every day for two months what's your problem with this hour but the 16 it does it brings you to a different place and um i'm sure you know that when you go up in weights Yep. And, um, it's gonna, it's gonna definitely, I'm gonna have to go back to, I'm gonna have to take myself to different places mentally for sure. And I think that that's definitely one of our greatest assets as athletes is figuring out how to work with our own mindset and, and adapt to serve us well. So it's going to be a good part of this journey. I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for everybody to see it. So um, where can people find you? How can they follow you? How can they donate to the cause? How can they sign up? Like, you know, how do people, how do people get in? Awesome. Thank you. People can either reach me through my Instagram, which you know, at Jennifer Hintenberger. Um, also Facebook. I, I don't know if maybe I could give you the links to this or something, but there's my Facebook, which is Jennifer Hintenberger. And yeah, if you, if, you send, if you send them to me, I'll put them in the episode notes so that, so that people can, can click on the episode notes and find, them, and find them there as well. Okay, awesome. And then I just started a Facebook group too. That is for anybody who is a participant of, oh, I just started it a couple hours ago. There's 74 people in it now. It's called 100 Days, 100 Kettlebell Marathons. Nice. And, um, yeah, and that's where I just started it, so I have to start inviting people, but everyone's welcome to request, and I will, of course, 
have them jump in and then this way they can choose one of the 100 days if they want to join me or they can contact me about donating which is obviously greatly appreciated um, or they could just watch it because it's going to be documented i have a professional producer uh andrew tidby who was going to be documenting the 60 days who's now going who's going to be traveling with me the whole time just like the iron cowboy had his team um, but I'm obviously not traveling, so he's going to be here with me. So hopefully we'll do some interviews with uh, the other lifters who are joining me and whatnot and make it a good community experience. Awesome. Well, that is great. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoy I really enjoyed the conversation. It was great to hear, uh, you know, your origin story and, and all of the crazy things that, that you've overcome. And you're such an inspiration to so many people. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to be on. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Jordan. It's been a pleasure. And it's also been really nice learning about just what you know, for one. I did not expect that. <laughs> and learning about your rugby background as well. And I'm psyched that uh, you ended up on the 100 days as a result of this. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Same. Thanks, thank Jen. We'll talk soon. Yes. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi Wright. If you have a question, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub, on Twitter at TCKBClub, online at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com, and please help us grow our reach and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.